And if you would now uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be looking specifically at verse 8 today, but to gain the context, we'll start with verse 7. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Father, we pray that you would use this word of your son, Jesus Christ, to do its work in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first week of Advent, we looked at what Advent is about. This is all about coming. Advent means coming, the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father, we heard. And then last week, we found that Jesus Christ came to take away our sins, to take away the penalty of our sins. And today, we're looking at Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, I think you're a little confused. Why are we talking about the devil at Christmas time? Are you thinking October 31st instead of December 25th? Um, well, let me ask you a question. And my question is, of these two Christmas movies, which of them better illustrates the true meaning of Christmas? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or die hard? Well, for today's passage, die hard does a better job of illustrating the true meaning of Christmas. In that movie, we find a man set upon defeating violent criminals. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, at least in our culture. You know, the devil, you know, is there, is there such a being? Is there such a thing? I mean, really, do you believe in that? Well, of course, the devil's mentioned explicitly in our text today. And that is uh, not unusual for Scripture. Matthew 13, 39, Jesus, in his teaching, the parable of the weeds in the field, says, And the enemy sowed sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the close of the age, and the angels are the reapers. Parable of the sheep and goats, Matthew 25, 41, another famous parable of Jesus. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. John chapter 13, verse 2, we here of the Last Supper, during the supper when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon, to betray him. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we read how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then we read, Apostle Paul says that we can be oppressed by the devil. We can be caught by the snare of the devil in 1 Timothy 3, 7 and 2 Timothy 2, 26. And so the clear teaching of the Bible from 
Genesis all the way to Revelation is that there is a being called the devil or Satan and he is opposed to Christ and he's opposed to Christ's people and he's opposed to humans in general. The devil is a real threat and Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, he came to destroy the devil, but notice the emphasis here is on the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? Well, rebelling against God and inciting humans to rebel against God. We saw that in Genesis chapter 3 that was read earlier. The devil's works resulted in our death. He is the opponent of humanity. Uh, his works here are stated to be in the plural. He does his work um, in, against us in mind, in body, in soul. He incites us to sin through all those means. Um, in Genesis chapter 13, the forbidden fruit, it was something physical that he used that was appealing. In the book of Job, we find that the devil says, if you, if you touch physically Job, he will curse you to his face. We have also the soul, um, the devil appealing to the baser instincts, to Eve, to her covetousness, that you will be like God if you eat of the fruit. He appeals to the mind. Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil. Satan tempted him by twisting scripture uh, in order to tempt Jesus to do what he ought not to do. Last week we found out that Jesus came to take away the penalty of our sins, and today we find out that Jesus came to take away the presence of sin in our life. That is the work of the devil that is being referred to here in the text. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. You're either of the devil or you're of God, as evidenced by sin. John Stott said it this way, Sin and Christ are irreconcilably at enmity with each other. Christ in his sinless person and saving work is fundamentally opposed to it. Now, this isn't talking about sinless perfection. Okay? When, you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you understand that you have sinned and that you uh, deserve uh, the, the wrath of God and you come to him and you confess your sin, uh, you receive forgiveness of sins for every sin you ever committed, every sin you are committing, every sin you will commit. Uh, you are declared right in God's sight. You're forgiven. Uh, the penalty of sin is taken away. The presence of sin in your life still remains. But God, through Jesus, has come to destroy the works of Satan and to remove over time the presence of sin in your life. And we see that um, in, here in 1 John chapter 3, actually, uh, John says that if you are waiting for Jesus Christ to return, that you will purify yourself as Jesus himself is pure. As your Savior is pure, you will begin to do that as well. That's 1 John 3, 3. In 1 John 1, 5, there were people that were saying, I've not sinned. And John says... If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right? So this isn't talking about sinless perfection. There are various approaches to sin. 
Some people wink at sin. They just don't take it all that seriously. There are other people that understand the seriousness of sin, that it's really bad, and they embrace it wholeheartedly anyway. And there are people who say that sin is actually not sin. It's good, and that which is good is actually sin. Different approaches to sin. How is it that we know what sin is? Well, we don't get our clues from uh, Hallmark Channel or Netflix. We don't get our cues from CNN or Fox. We don't go to um, celebrities. We go to the scripture. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So we look at scripture to determine what it is that is sin and what is not sin. And the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to remove, to defeat Satan and his works and to remove the presence of sin in your life progressively as you live for him. We read Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 and following. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We are are being renewed. Why? Because Christ came to destroy the works of the devil, the works of the devil in you. So how does he do it? How does Christ destroy the works of the devil in your life? Well, first of all, and importantly, as I mentioned last week, by taking away the penalty of sin. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. You know, as I read through and studied that passage last week, you might, if you're just reading through 1 John casually, think that taking away sins might be taking away our actual sins and and taking away the presence of sin. But consistently, as I mentioned last week in Scripture, the phrase, take away our sins, has to do with taking away the penalty of our sins through atonement where John the Baptist said of Jesus Christ, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or we read of the prophet who said, who had his sin, his guilt taken away uh, in the presence of God. And so it is extremely important, first and foremost, that we understand that we've got our sins taken away in terms of the penalty of our sins through faith in Jesus Christ. If you've come to that point in your life where you acknowledge your sins, you understand you've sinned, you understand uh, that you have a problem before God, um, and you uh, confess that sin, and you trust that Jesus took the penalty for you on the cross, then you are free from the penalty of that sin. And it's practically helpful for you as we seek to be rid of sin in our lives. And Christ uses that as a means of defeating Satan and his work in your life. Titus, 11, Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, 
and godly lives in the present age. Jesus Christ was given to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. The grace of God, what we do not earn and do not deserve, that is something that God uses in your life to empower and to motivate you uh, to live for him and to put to death sin. The movie Santa Claus 2. Um, Santa Claus 2, some of you have seen that movie. You have, uh, I think it's Tim Allen plays Santa Claus. and uh, There is a, a Santa Claus robot that is, that is uh, uh, built and takes his place for a while in the North Pole while he is off on another mission. And this particular uh, robotic Santa Claus begins to read the manual. And the manual says that only uh, good little boys and girls are, are to receive presents and everybody else is supposed to receive uh, lumps of coal. And we all know in reality, uh, no one is good, no not one. And so uh, this robotic Santa Claus uh, begins to halt production of toys and begin production of coal, right? Is that how it is? That's how it should be, right? If we all get what we deserve. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. For Santa Claus is coming to town. You better be good. Is that how it works? Is that how we're motivated to do good? Better watch out. Well, certainly Jesus Christ is coming. And Jesus Christ is coming to judge. It's interesting though, when you look at the text in scripture about Christians and the way that they approach the coming of Jesus Christ... It's not, you better watch out. It's, we can't wait for Jesus Christ to come. Because we've received pardon, and we know that we're accepted on the basis of our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so we've received the grace of God. We know we've been freed from the penalty of sin and death. Last week, I talked about um, the fact that our sin smells like death, the wages of sin is death. And we've been released from that. We've been freed from that to live joyfully for him. In the uh, website Homesteading Today, I know that's a, a, a website you frequent. Uh, it's for rural homeowners as they seek to uh, understand uh, how to live their life in uh, rural America. And somebody writes and says, has anyone had any luck with the training method of tying a dead chicken around a dog's neck? I posted last week about our immature six-month-old dog who has been chasing chickens and ducks. This morning she killed a chicken. I know, I've read about people tying the dead bird around the dog's neck. Did it work for you? How long did you leave it there? It's pretty disgusting, I have to say. And there's a response to that, and a person writes, My dad did this years ago with a young border collie who would not leave the chickens alone, finally killing one. The dog wore it for a good week, in the dead of summer, not pleasant, but the dog never went near chickens again. <laughs> the penalty of sin is death, and it smells like death. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he removes that stench from us, and we have to deal with it no more. And so we come in service to him and in his presence, joyfully living uh, the life that he's called us to live and in, increasingly over time, even understanding, even as, as you are challenged in your life with a particular sin or particular sins, 
in knowing that Christ has come and Christ is victorious and Christ is working to destroy the works of the devil in your life. And he does that first, as you know, that he has taken away the penalty of your sin. I am forever his, not because I am good, but because I trust in Christ's goodness. And I am forever his because he paid the penalty for my sin at great cost, the cost of his death. And that great cost required to relieve me of the penalty of my sin causes me to understand the seriousness of sin and the wonder of the gift that he's given to me. And it it causes me to to value what Christ values, and that is uh, to put to death that which is of the devil in my life. We are are co-combatants against sin. What's the greatest event in human history that ever took place. You know, we could, we could argue that, you know, World War II, is it uh, the storming of Normandy? Was it the circumnavigation of the globe? Was it putting a man on the moon? The greatest event in human history was the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That is God, who existed from all eternity. You know the passage of scripture in the Psalms, uh, when I consider the heavens and I look and I say, What is man that you're mindful of him? And as we've understood more and more about the expansiveness of the universe and the wonder of the universe, uh, who is it that God would even pay attention to us, his creation? And he's not only paid attention to us, but he, the second person of the Trinity who existed from all eternity, has come into this world and taken on a human body and a human soul, not giving up his deity, retaining his deity, truly God, and yet taking on the nature and the body of his creation. Amazing. Nothing more important in all of humanity. And why did he do that? To take away your sins. That's why he did it. It was, it was that necessary. It was that important for my sins and your sins. There was only one remedy, and that was the perfect one, Jesus Christ coming to die and take the penalty of your sin and my sin at great cost. And so we value what it is, the great cost and the great gift that Jesus Christ purchased for us. And, and there was a purpose in it, and it had to do with sin. And so we, we take sin seriously in our lives as a result because of this radical remedy uh, that was required. My father, when he was in high school, Uh, came from a poor family. He had no prospect of going to college. He wanted to go to college. And um, a total stranger uh, paid for his college, paid for three years of his college, and he was able to go. And as a result of that great sacrifice and that great gift, my father appreciated uh, the gift of his college education. He valued it. And he said, when I have kids, I'm going to I do everything in my power to save and to scrimp so that my kids can go to college. And he did that. He, uh, he did, he provided college education for all three children. And even as our children uh, grew up, his grandchildren, um, we had that um, same mindset given to me by my dad. And they even continued to give for the grandchildren so they could go to college. Why was that? He had received something of extreme value. He cherished that, and he valued that. And so Christ has come to take away your sins. As we know how important that was to him, 
And we know the value of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to do that. And so we too uh, live for him and seek to put sin to death because that's valuable to him. And Christ's coming helps me have an awareness that I am a co-combatant against Satan. 1 John 3, 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. There's a contrast going on in chapter 3, verse 8. You can be of the devil, or you can be of Christ. You can be of God. And Christ's coming gives me an awareness that I am called to be in a battle with Christ in defeating the works of the devil by defeating sin in my life. You know, if you're a, somebody's a, in Afghanistan, you know, the troops are in Afghanistan and somebody comes back into camp, American soldier, and, you know, where were you? I was over with the Taliban, you know, putting together some IEDs. You know, no, that is not good. You know, that is, uh, that is aiding the enemy. The movie Bridge on, River, on the River Kwai uh, is the account of um, the allies in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And, uh, some of the leadership was tortured, and uh, Colonel uh, Nicholson was among them, and, and he gets the idea that he's going to boost the morale in the camp by uh, helping the Japanese uh, build this bridge across the River Kwai. And he does this, and the movie recounts it, and and at the same time, the Allies are planning on destroying the bridge. And it's only at the very end of the movie, uh, as he's realizing somebody's trying to destroy the bridge, and he begins to call out to the Japanese to alert them that he says, what have I done? He realizes he's been in league with the enemy. Contrast that to the French resistance. In France, in World War II, occupied by the Germans, they didn't wait for the Allies to come in and invade. They began to undermine the work of the Germans, the French resistance. They were, in, they were combating uh, Nazi Germany. And so we are part of the resistance. We are part of the Lord's work in defeating uh, the work of Satan. Genesis chapter 3.15, which was read earlier today, it said this, He shall bruise the head of Satan. That is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. In fact, the first prophecy of Jesus Christ, it's sometimes called the, the first or the proto-gospel, that Jesus would come, a, a, a man born of a woman, to bruise or crush the head of Satan. In Romans chapter 16, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Well, which is it? Crushed under, under Jesus' feet or under your feet? Yes. Because Jesus has defeated Satan, you too are part of the effort against Satan's work in this world. And so at Christmas time, when we think back to 2,000 years ago, we're reminded that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. And this is utterly personal. As he destroys the grip of sin in your life, and as you respond by putting sin to death, you're engaged in common cause, in fighting against the devil, and your personal and mundane battle for sanctification, for becoming more like Jesus Christ, is part of Christ's cosmic, eternal plan to defeat 
the work of Satan. Max Lucado spoke of a, a time in his life uh, where uh, this, this battle became very practical, uh, engaged in battle with the devil. He says, I come from a family of alcoholism. If there's anything about this DNA stuff, I've got it. And so for more than 20 years, uh, drinking was not an issue for Lucado, but in 2001, uh, it almost became. He said, I lowered my guard a bit. One beer with a barbecue won't hurt. Then another time with Mexican food, then a time or two with no food at all. And he says at one point he was on his way to speak at a men's retreat. And he began to plot where I could buy a beer and not be seen by anyone. And so he drove to an out-of-the-way convenience store. He, he parked and he waited for the patrons to leave. Uh, he entered, he bought the beer, he held it close to his side, he hurried to his car, and then he felt a sense of conviction. And then he said, because the night before I had a long talk with my oldest daughter about not covering things up, uh, he said he didn't drink the beer. Instead, he rolled down the window, he threw it in the trash can, and he asked for God's forgiveness, and he decided to come clean uh, with the elders of his church about what happened. And when he sh shared it with the elders, he said they looked at him across the table and said, Satan is determined to get you for this right now, and we're going to cover this with prayer. But you've got to get the alcohol out of your life. And he said, I really took that as from God. Now let me be clear, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong to drink, but it does say it's wrong to get drunk. Um, however, there are some people, because of their family background or their own background, they have no business touching alcohol, and Max Lucado was in that particular situation, and so he sensed and he knew, and his officers of his church knew, uh, that this wasn't just a, a personal battle, but this was the work of Satan in his life as well. And so be encouraged that God is at work in you to defeat the works of the devil. That is why he came. The famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, conveys the meaning well. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Lord Sabaoth is the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. That is who we serve. That is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what makes you a child of God is not your lack of sin. What makes you a child of God is being adopted into the family of God. You Put your faith in Jesus and you trust in him. Trust not in your own self, but trust in the, in the goodness of Christ for you. Um, though you don't deserve it, you're made part of his family forever. And you're, you're born of the Spirit. The, the Spirit of God enters into your life. That's what the Bible talks about, being born again. You're born of God. And so because of that, not because, not because you're trying to earn your way into God's good graces, not because you're trying to earn your way into his family, but because you've been made part of his family by grace, you desire to be part of his endeavor in defeating the works of the devil. Pastor Lee Strobel tells us a story of uh, 
a woman in Korea, she had a relationship with a Korean serviceman um, at the end of the Korean War, and he left, and uh, a child uh, was born of that relationship, and, and, the, um, and the daughter uh, was made fun of by those around her because she didn't look like everybody around her, and eventually uh, the mom abandoned the child to the streets, and uh, she was taunted by people. She was called Alien Devil. And after some time, she made her way to an orphanage. And uh, one day, uh, a couple from America came to, uh, to adopt a baby boy. And so everybody in the orphanage was excited that somebody was going to be adopted. And, and she got ready. She began to think about this family, uh, wonder what it would be like to maybe be adopted uh, by an American couple. And so when the couple came, she said, I saw the man with his huge hands lift up each and every baby. I knew he loved every one of them as if they were his own. I saw tears running down his face. He saw me out of the corner of his eye. Now let me tell you, I was nine years old, but I didn't even weigh 30 pounds. I was a scrawny thing. I had worms in my body. I had lice in my hair. I had boils all over me. I was full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But the man came over to me and he began rattling away something in English and I looked up at him and then he took his huge hand and laid it on my face. What was he saying? He was saying, I want this child. This child is for me. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we were so appealing, just the opposite. Because we needed the penalty of sin in our lives removed. And so we do not rely on our own strength in this battle against the presence of sin in our lives because that would be losing. But Jesus won the victory on the cross and he will win the victory in your life. And that is part of what we celebrate this time of year, that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil. Father, we thank you for the truth, the comforting truth, the encouraging truth that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil.